It is the end of the Easter season, but the beginning of a brand new message series. It's our last series of the season before we move on to what we like to call summer format. I really liked all our series this past year, and by the way, the entire archive of this year's message series is available on our website. If you've missed any, I invite you to take some time and take a look. Maybe there's a series you could really use. Maybe there's a series you could share with an unchurched friend or family member. I really liked all our series this year, but I'm especially looking forward to this one because we're looking at something we all experience throughout life all the time, but especially at this time of year. Over the next five weeks, we're looking at transitions, transitions, and why they're so important. Springtime brings a, a great deal of transitions. For instance, we're celebrating First Communions here at Nativity all this weekend, as many parishes do in the month of May. First Communion is a very special sacrament, of course, but it's also an important transition from early childhood to later, more mature childhood. Everyone, it seems, is celebrating graduations these days. Two of my younger cousins, Emily and Chloe, and my nephew Jack are all graduating from college this month. It's hard to believe. Graduations bring transitions from middle school to high school, from high school to college, from college life to real life. And for many parents, high school and college graduations can mean transition for them, too, from a full house to an empty nest. Weddings bring a transition from single life, with perhaps its freedom and flexibility, to married life with all its responsibility. Many people choose this time of year to transition to a second career or leave the workforce altogether. Many others look at the springtime as a perfect time to downsize to a smaller house or upgrade their existing home. The spring brings a flood of transition. And that's just to name a few that are a part of the normal rhythm of life. Think about the transitions that come with the birth of a child, the loss of a loved one, falling in love, getting a divorce, the freedom that comes from getting a driver's license, the immediate isolation that comes from being bullied. The season we're in right now, this week, this, this weekend is a time of transition when it comes to the COVID crisis. At least we're all hoping so. A positive transition away from masks and distancing to full engagement and full capacity. So with all this transition going on, it seems an opportune time, a perfect time to look at the experience itself and God's perspective on it. That's right, God's perspective on it. God works throughout our lives, and that includes through our transitions. They're a part of his marvelous, mysterious design for our lives. To better appreciate, if not fully understand, God's plan when it comes to transition and how we might actually 
partner with him through them. We should look first at the anatomy or the phases of a transition. There are three, and they're actually quite obvious, so I won't belabor them. Briefly speaking, the first phase of a transition is an ending. Before we can move on to something new, one thing or some things must end. Graduation means the end of high school or college and, inevitably, the end to many of the friendships we've made there. Retirement means the end of a career, the end of business as usual, the end of effort and activity of our work week. The birth of a child means the end of a good night's sleep. Every transition begins with an ending. We have to let go of the old things, and not just outwardly, not just superficially, but inwardly, in our heart, where we understand who we are. Oftentimes, our identity is shaped by our stage or state of life. I'm a student. I'm single. I'm the pastor. Change that. And my self-perception has to change, too. So the first phase of the transition is an ending. The second phase is an in-between time. This can be brief or indeterminate span of time, but it's a gap. It's a pause between the end of the old and the beginning of the new. The in-between time gives us, if we'll take it, an opportunity to process the end of what's past and prepare for what's next. I think one of the greatest challenges of this COVID crisis of the past year was that we were never given an in-between time. We went from business as usual to total shutdown in a single afternoon. I can still vividly remember little more than a year ago, everybody in our office crowding around watching the governor's press conference and realizing we would have to close the church that very day which was unbelievable. It was surreal, and eventually it was isolating and oppressive. But whatever else it was, it hurt our hearts. It hurt our hearts because we didn't even have an in-between time. In-between time can bring healing. The second phase is in-between time, and the third phase, of course, is that new beginning. Endings and beginnings are linked together. They go together. Paradoxically, you can't have one without the other. Just as a plant is pruned to stimulate new growth, an ending allows growth in us. Even if it's negative, endings have the potential to create a positive new beginning, to bring us new momentum. A fresh start can lead, can lead us to somewhere else, somewhere good, maybe even somewhere better. This happens throughout the Bible in the lives of the heroes of the Bible. We read about it in the story of Joseph, the son of Jacob, and Moses, and David. And we see all three of these phases played out in the Scripture passage we read today from the Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles was written by the gospel writer Luke. It's a sequel to his gospel, 
in which he tells the story of the early church and how it continued the work of Jesus after his time on earth. So it begins, Luke tells us, in the first book, Theophilus, Theophilus is the fellow he's writing to, I dealt with all that Jesus did and taught until the day he was taken up. So there he's referring to the ascension, which we celebrate this Sunday. After giving instruction to the apostles. After giving instruction to the apostles. So Luke begins his second book by referencing the end of his first. The end of his first marked the end of Jesus' time with the apostles. For months before that, Jesus had told the apostles that he was going to the cross, where he would have to suffer and die and then rise from the dead. In part, he was warning them that his time with them was coming to an end. And this greatly upset them. They didn't want Jesus' time with them to come to an end. They were upset, even though Jesus assured them that it was a necessary part of the plan, God's plan. It was good and necessary for Jesus to come and live among them. Only he could redeem them. It was good and necessary that he led and fed them. Only he could introduce them to his mission and ministry. It was good and necessary, but it was better that he returned to the Father, as we'll see in the following verses. The argument made sense. It just didn't make any difference, at least to them. They were emotionally distraught. It was an emotional issue. You know, we have talked about transition Transition as a simple matter of fact, a fact of life, and, and they are. But beyond facts are feelings. So let's go ahead and acknowledge that transitions are emotional. And they can bring a flood of emotions. Oftentimes there's nothing more emotional than a transition. Even natural transitions, even positive transitions, even transitions that are expected and anticipated, even transitions that we work hard to make happen can be incredibly emotional as we experience conflicting feelings. On the one hand, we might look forward to something as a great event and sign of success. Think of seeing your son or daughter go off to college. What could be a happier, prouder moment than that? But I never, never, ever even bring the topic up with parents. And by parents, I mean moms. For fear of the emotion the topic in inevitably taps into. It's what they've hoped for and worked for and sacrificed for. It was all part of the plan. And the mere mention of it can bring tears. And that's because they're focused, at least in that moment, on the first part of the transition, the ending. Personally, I get it, because I have to admit that I hate endings. Coming to the end of a good book or movie, I just don't want it to end. Friends move away, and I don't want to see them go. I hate when Christmas ends. Transitions can be emotional, and the ending phase of the transition can be the most difficult. Jesus' death on the cross brought an end to his public life and his life with the apostles. But then there was a different phase, 
another phase. He presented himself alive to them by many proofs after he had suffered, appearing to them for 40 days. After Jesus' resurrection, he presented himself to the apostles and proved that he was truly risen. Of course he did this so that they would know the truth of the resurrection. We can know the truth of the resurrection because he appeared to these people. They saw him. They experienced him. They walked and talked with him. They ate with him. Jesus appeared to the apostles, but he didn't spend time day in and day out with them as he had before. This was a different time. The 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension into heaven was an in-between time. And look at the very specific instruction he gives to them for this time. He says, wait. Don't rush. Chill out. Wait for it. And what are they supposed to be waiting for? He tells them, the promise of the Father. Often we like to rush into the new things, part of human nature. And in our instant gratification, instant access, on demand, anywhere, anytime world that we live in, that instinct is only exacerbated. But God in his goodness might be telling us to wait, to embrace the in-between time, because that's often when and where we're best positioned to receive God's promise of gifts and grace, gifts and grace that can equip us for the future, the strength, the wisdom, the peace, the courage to thrive in our new phase of life. That's exactly the promise made to the apostles. He gets even more specific as he goes on. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my witnesses in the world. The gift of the Holy Spirit introduces them to what's new and what's next. With the power of the Holy Spirit, they become his witnesses, his effective witnesses in the world. Life has seasons and stages and phases. For there to be anything new, something old has got to end. And we have to let go sometimes. Sometimes we have to wait and at least eventually learn to embrace the new. So homework for this week would be to dig into your own response, your emotional response to transitions. In your quiet time, take time this week to consider how well you do with endings, in between time and waiting, and new beginnings. What transitions have you experienced in this past year of COVID? Think about that. What transitions are headed your way this spring and summer? Think about that. Once again, for this series, we'll have questions available after Mass, questions you can use to continue the conversation with friends and family members in the car on the way home or over brunch. Transitions are, are part of life. Like it or not, that's for sure. They cannot be avoided, and they, they dare not be ignored because, because they have the real potential for personal growth and spiritual growth. 
When it comes to transitions, we need to see them with the eyes of faith if we're ever going to see what God is doing through the transitions.